Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Framework Podcast. I'm your host, Ana Trujillo-Limon, and today I'm really excited to talk about the next generation of students and planners with Dr. Julie Raggetts and Dr. Nandita Das. Welcome to the show, ladies, and thank you for joining me. Thank, thank you, you, Anna. So we're going to jump right into it, and I know we usually talk about favorite foods and first money memories and all of that stuff, but I know that we have, we have about 30 minutes to chat about a really big topic, so let's just get right into it. So Dr. Julie... You head up the Finster Foundation here at Carson Group, and you're working with a lot of students. We're here at FPA Annual Conference, and we have a lot of students here. So talk to us about some of the challenges in doing that type of work, bringing on students to come to this type of conference, and what can people do to start to get involved? So kind of two separate questions. No, those are both really good questions, and I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to be here and to also talk with Dr. Dawes. I think that... Um when I when I look at the role that FinSurf plays, um, and we're so grateful to have um, so many different um, funders and sponsors that really support our work, the thing that, that motivates me about FinSurf is that its real mission is to help students find their place in the financial services industry. And my story and kind of my why, we're big on whys here, um, is that I was raised by a, by, by a man who was a financial advisor. My dad was an advisor. He ran a very, very successful practice. Um, I'm in my mid-40s. My dad's in his early 70s. Um, he never once talked to me about this business. Mm-hmm. Never sat down with me and said, hey, Julie, you know, this would be a good business. Let me let me tell you about what I do. He also never talked to my brother about it either, um, with the result that I went off and got a PhD in philosophy, <laughs> which he funded, you know, supported me emotionally until I, you know, got my fellowship. But, um, and, and, and for me, um, you know, that was not a business he wanted his daughter to be in. Mm-hmm. And I think if you talk to some, usually men in it, from that generation, that they wanted something different for their children. It was hard. He had to prospect. He's not a natural prospector. Mm-hmm. He's not a natural salesman. He's a deeply analytical man. I remember him doing seminars and coming home looking exhausted. And, and the industry, let's be honest, wasn't great for women no. in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I look at that and I look at that story And I think, you know, so I ended up getting a PhD in philosophy. I ended up being a philosophy professor for many years, teaching ethics, writing about ethics. And I think the thing is I would have been a good financial advisor. I'm not awesome with numbers, but there's software for that. I like teaching. I like helping. I like caring about people. I get energy from relationships. And I think that there is a place, maybe I wasn't probably the naturalist prospector in the world, but there's a place in this business for everybody. Mm And so for me, it's about saying, okay, when I get a chance to interact with a student, you know, what I always like to do is say, you know, essentially, we can figure out who you are, what's going to make you th- flourish, what's going to make you thrive. And then, you know, through the resources of the foundation, we can supplement the good work that Dr. Das and the other program directors are saying by let's make sure that you know every avenue that is available to you in this business um, before you make a decision that it's not right for you. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. So, Dr. Das, so I, for the last nine years that I've been in the profession, I've seen you at every conference with your students, just really advocating for them. And I love it. And I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today. So I want to ask you about, you know, you're so passionate about helping your students. Uh, What are some things that people or or firm owners and and business owners and companies can do to support the work that you do with your students? Thank you. Thank you for that question. First and foremost, I teach at an HBCU. I teach at Delaware State University. So the 
question is now even if you go back to the why of me why did i become so passionate what was mm-hmm. it my undergraduate is not even in business mm-hmm. so anyway, what's it in it is in dairy science it's a uh, milk industry well that's ah. so much more practical than philosophy though <laughs> i mean <laughs> I mean, I have yet to find one that, that's less practical, but that's awesome. Yeah, not- it's, uh, it's funny because uh, uh, I kind of tell my story that I change professions as I change countries. <laughs> so, this is my third country and my third profession. Oh, I love it. So, well, you have to tell us what the other ones are now. Yeah. So, so I came as a dairy scientist and then just like you said, women, it was not the right field for mm-hmm. women. That was the right field for in my country because... India is well known for the white revolution, so mm-hmm. to speak. We, by white revolution, we mean the milk mm-hmm. industry. Here, it might be a different connotation, so just yeah. clarifying that. <laughs> so, so, having said that, when I came, and again, as a woman, and especially as a mother, despite the fact that I have a very, very supportive spouse, uh, it was the mother in me, that forced me to take a break uh, because my daughter was a very, very quiet child. And uh, the expression on her face, you will understand this very well, the expression on her face when I joined Masters in Food Science in Canada, that was my second country. Mm-hmm. Do you really have to do this to me? You know, she didn't Aww. say that, but it was nice and loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after six months, I said, like, I'm done. I can't take this anymore. So then I was in Canada. I finished my MBA in finance, sort of related. I finished my MBA in finance and then I worked for uh, McKinsey Financial Corporation. But then uh, life has taken me to different routes. Uh, my husband was in U.S. First, I was in India. He was in Canada. Then I was in Canada. He was in U.S. And I took my daughter one day to visit uh, her dad. And then she comes back and writes the journal. And she says, I wish I had a normal family, like oh. both my parents were together. Mm-hmm. So frankly, my daughter has been the decision factor. Yes. Mm-hmm. So then again, I said, okay, I'm winding up. So I left Canada and I came to U.S. The problem was, uh, despite the fact of good relationships between U.S. and Canada, I had my work permit. They call it the TN visa, but I still would not could not get the job. In fact, I did get a job as uh, maybe so-called financial planner, mm-hmm. but it was really sales yeah. job. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And there was absolutely no base salary. It's mm. the mentality that we had, you eat what you kill. Yep. And I say we had, not now what we have. So that uh, didn't sit well with me. And uh, later, again, my husband one day comes and says, okay, let's go to the university and see if there is a, a provision for you to get into PhD program. That's how I ended up in PhD in uh, finance and uh, economics. But having done that, uh, I also had my CFA while I was doing my PhD in finance. And uh, the professors were not supportive those days because at that point, these days it's a different scenario. At that point, they assumed CFA and PhD, uh, if you have a CFA, you don't do PhD. If you have a PhD in finance, you don't do CFA. Mm-hmm. Having done both, I'll tell you, it gave me a lot of skills. <laughs> but I still knew what I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. You can understand, doing yeah. PhD means you know how little you know. Yeah, one little tiny sand. Yes, exactly. So having said that, I went looking for a financial planner to help me with my finances. And... Uh, 
I am very, very frank. So excuse me if this is a little too much. Oh, please do. But you <laughs> love conversation. <laughs> I love frank on framework. <laughs> Thank you. So the three financial planners that I went to, they all asked me the wrong question. How much assets I have that they can manage? I had a good mind of saying, I have a PhD in finance and a CFA. I can manage all your clients' assets. That's not why I'm here. I was looking for help because financial planning is not just about asset management. There's so many other things, very, very important, albeit investment management is important, but it's just one little piece that makes us reach our goals. So I was looking for that. And then since I didn't get that, I decided, okay, I'm going to kind of take responsibility of my own life, get my CFP. But at the back of my mind, I was thinking, you know what, if me with a degree in finance and so if I face this, can you imagine somebody else with a PhD in physics or chemistry or any of these things and immigrants, people of color, what are they going to face? Because financial planning is so personal and also at the same time, it is so very important. It's personal doesn't mean we keep it to ourselves. We Each one of us need help. I use the word Nudge-ucate. Nudge me. Nudge me. Educate me because I don't know everything. But please do not insult my values and my culture because my values are my values, not your values. Your values are your values. And that's what this profession is about. Like we are going to help you reach where you want to reach. But at the same time, if there is certain thing which professionally I think is not achievable or not the right thing to do, I will nudge you. Mm -hmm. But I will always respect your values because they are your values. And so with that, once I got my CFP, I'm like, hmm, I teach at a historically black university. And I see the lack of, in those days, even now, we are still Mm -hmm. struggling with diversity in every shape and form, right? Uh, I mean, today's profession is much, much better than what it was in those days. So then I said, okay, I'm going to start a CFP program at my university. And that's how my story ends. I started my CFP program and then it ends. Only one chapter ends. This is a continuation. Mm-hmm. That's where, Anna, when you are saying, the I have seen you for the last <laughs> nine years. And yes, I take my students and I don't take the same group of students. Mm-hmm. I always kind of say, okay, so this... Uh, Coming back from COVID, uh, from September to December, I must have gone to five different conferences, but all the students are different. Every group is different because I want them to expose that what the profession is like and that we all can make a difference. We all can move the needle, even if a little bit, we all have a role to play. It cannot be that I will have a red carpet for me to walk on. That's Mm -hmm. not what makes a profession. We all have a role to play, which includes my students also. Absolutely. Thank you. Sorry. Well, no, no, don't ever be sorry. So yeah, yesterday, um, I, I witnessed something beautiful. I, I met a woman at the FP Latino Knowledge mm. Circle, and she is a professor at New Mexico State University, and there's no CFP program there yet. But she was just so passionate. She came to, came to the Latino Knowledge Circle um, was talking about she works at a Hispanic serving institution and was I connected her with Dr. Julie and this magic happened, right? Like we, Dr. Julie's like, we have resources with the Fincer Foundation. We can make this happen. You know, go talk to your students and bring some of your students to Excel, which is our conference. So all of these great things happen. 
but you said you started your CFP program. So to your advice and Dr. Julie, your advice also to people who want to start a CFP program at their university and they don't have one yet, what are some things that they okay. should heed? Do you want me to go first? Yes, go if, first. if you can. Okay, sure. <laughs> so it is going to be a battle. Mm-hmm. But if you are passionate about it, which it seems that Professor is because nobody asked oh, yeah. her to do that. Mm-hmm. She has seen it. That's where my passion came from. I was passionate about it. Once you show your passion, and again, you might have some struggles from your own colleagues. Uh, I'm talking about the faculty members, but the administration will see through it. And actually, that's my own experience. And that's why I kind of smile like, yeah, you, dear, you're going to have struggles with you. Because my thing was with my CFA and CFP, people think, Oh, CFP, because the notion is CFP, at least the academic world is still back there, where they're thinking that CFP means insurance agent, sales mm-hmm. agent. And so they do not want, for them, it's like, oh, my God, my university is ACSB accredited. What are you talking? We can start a CFA program, but not a CFP program. Mm-hmm. Uh, lucky for me uh, that I had the passion and I had my CFA and none of my colleagues have a CFA. So they couldn't even say that. I mean, they were saying it. But even whether you have your CFA or CF or not or CFP or not, the passion is the main ingredient. You will have to fight the battle, but then you will have followers also. Mm-hmm. Uh, last Thursday, as part of uh, my uh, passion and my agenda to expose my students, I had gone to Washington, D.C. There was a conf- uh, uh, equitable financials was doing something and they had given out some uh, scholarships to six of my students. Mm. And I did not realize that each of them went on the stage and one part of the speech was they talked about me. I was like, I was so embarrassed. I was blushing. Oh. I was literally blushing. But then in my heart of hearts, I'm thinking, ah, this is my payback time, (laughs) you know. So if you have the passion, it's not all about money. You may not get the amount of, because they were talking about how much financial planners can make and all. And it's all nice and good after you've paid your dues. But it's not for the money that we are coming here. It's for the passion, for, as you said, for helping people. And that people could be your community. And community is not just about ethnicity. It could be my golf community. Mm -hmm. It could be my women's community. So whatever community I'm thinking about, it could be my Latino group, my Indian group, whatever that is. Helping those communities. That I always say, my utility that I receive from what I do today is greater than one. The finance part is less than one because 100% I don't get paid academicians don't get paid good enough for that but nobody enters an academic world for money mm-hmm. and then greater than one is this paybacks that I get from them I mean after 10 years my students say Dr. Das you've done such a good job with the university all that makes me feel like that's my catalyst to do more for my students mm-hmm. Part of being a great fiduciary is helping your clients understand their full financial picture, and it should be no different for your life. Do you know what your business is worth? Get your firm valuation today with our free valuation calculator. Whether you're looking to share equity with your team, buy another firm, prepare for an exit, 
or just simply want to see the market value of your business, visit carsongroup.com valuation to get started. That's so impactful. I, in that, you know, I'm, I'm watch these, watch these, these transitions happen as different folks I know, um, you know, try to advocate for these programs. And I would absolutely land on the fact that it is oftentimes faculty colleagues who don't understand the role. And then ultimately when it becomes successful, um, which it usually does, because this is a very appealing career path. And the knowledge base independent of the career path is also appealing, mm-hmm. right? So I think you have college students who may be, you know, psychology majors yes. or or dairy dairy science majors, <laughs> but but they certainly understand that they're going to have to graduate from college and manage their own wealth. And so the personal finance classes yes. that are offered as a part of this become very popular. They become very well subscribed. And then you have challenges mm-hmm. in a university setting, which tend to have um, a more scarcity mindset than an abundance mindset. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, my experience with academia is that we tend to have a scarcity mindset, right? Mm-hmm. What, what Dr. Das gets, I don't, right? Mm-hmm. What she gets for her program comes at my expense. And I don't think that necessarily has that's to be true. That's not true, but that's what we but think. But that's often that's yeah. how we think. Um, one of the things that I've spent a lot of time doing is when I have um, friends and colleagues who are starting newer programs, um, I spend time with their career services person, essentially saying, so you know, the financial services industry, people tend to think is Goldman Sachs or State Farm. And they actually don't really know the difference, and nor, nor would they. We have a con- our marketing around this business, right? What does it mean to be a financial advisor? Is a very nebulous term even for yeah. folks in the business. Yes, exactly. Does it mean you have a CFP? Does it mean you have a 65? Yeah, does it mean exactly. you have your life? No. Yeah. And we yeah. don't know what that means. And so you certainly can't expect you know, the person in charge of internships for the entire business school to understand what that means. Mm -hmm. And so I spend a lot of time educating around the different career paths. A lot of times there's an assumption that it's only a business development role, that -hmm. goodness gracious, you can't get a salary. That is is fundamentally not true. Mm -hmm. I talk about the different companies we work with through FinServe that have very different paths, right? Being a financial advisor to bank is a wonderful career for some folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a financial advisor at a great place like Vanguard is a great career. Mm-hmm. Both of those will give you some consistency yeah. with your base salary and a fairly generous one to boot, yeah. especially if you're coming out of a program like Dr. Yes. Doss and you can sit right away um, for your CFP. There are also business development Right. But those even are different. Right. A business development role at one company looks very different. Exactly. So I think I spend a lot of time trying to educate folks. There's some great content out there about the kind of 12 tribes of of financial planning. Um, But I do see that um, it is not as easy as you would think. Mm -hmm. And the more we have conferences like this, the more we have academics like Dr. Doss, like Dr. Dr. Cherry, Dr. Lemoyne, who are on our advisory board. This is really becoming a profession, and that's mm-hmm. happened within my lifetime. Mm-hmm. When you have the codification of a, of a distinct body of knowledge, yeah. right? That's what makes something that you can have an academic mm-hmm. curriculum built around. Yeah. That makes something a profession. Mm-hmm. And that's been happening. Dr. Das was on the forerunner of that. That's a new 20-year development. Yeah. That, and so I am excited to see what happens, um, you know, when the people who are enrolling in PhD mm-hmm. programs at tech today come out. And change the business again in 20 years. I think it'll look very different by the time you and I are done Thank than you. it did when we started, for sure. If uh, if it's okay if I kind Absolutely. of... Uh, so, two things which you said, like uh, personal finance class. My personal finance class is... Uh, I make it personal. 
Yep. Literally, I make it yep. personal. I make them come up with their let's do your dream home project and not just Excel, but mm-hmm. uh, looking at, let's say, Zillow or Redfield, mm-hmm. figure out all the details. So it becomes more practical. Get your health insurance card. Let's figure this one out. And then at the yeah. end, they do their personal financial plan, full-fledged financial plan for a fictitious client. Mm-hmm. That fictitious could be there yep. or their family member. Mm-hmm. So on that, this semester, I have two psychology majors and both of them are thinking about doing financial planning (laughs) that is so awesome the second point which i'm so glad that finserve is doing this because believe me i have even told everywhere that i go i've said it's not just me i am already sold into it please don't talk to me talk Mm -hmm. to other people around me that's going to help and that includes career services that includes if i may advisement Yep, because that is so very important. I said, can you please just don't invite me, invite me and the advisement office to come. One of the representatives from advisement office to Mm -hmm. come so that they understand the value of these career services also. And again, going back to your question to that professor who is trying to set up this once you have it was a struggle. But right now, my career services, anything that is got to do with financial services and financial planning, they contact me. Yeah. It didn't happen overnight. Yeah. Okay. First, nobody knew who I was in the university because, you know, in the university setting, you are in your own silos. Yeah. Even within the same college, you are in oh. their own silos. Yeah. yeah. So just, and by, my nature is like that. Like, I'm very outspoken and I'll just go and talk to anyone that I want to talk to. Mm-hmm. But not everyone is like that. No, and and I think one of the challenges, you mentioned something really important. I mean, I was just joking with a friend of mine the other day, and so I was a philosophy you know, professor and, and had my PhD in philosophy, and, and we were talking about how dysfunctional academic departments were. Mm-hmm. And he said, so do you want to know the overlap between skills that make you an effective like leader and skills that make you want to be a philosophy professor? I'm like, there's like, I don't think any overlap. <laughs> like, or that would make you a good administrator. I'm like, so what you end up with is like kind of the narcissist <laughs> or the woman who everybody dumps work on anyway. And if you look at yeah. pro, and that and that's why universities are dysfunctional because no one actually is a leader, even in business schools. I found oh, this yeah, to totally, be true totally, too. Yeah. And so I think that one of, you know, the opportunities we have is that, you know, Dr. Das has been able and the bigger, more established programs have had personal leadership from mm-hmm. their faculty, people like Martin Say, people like Craig Lemoyne, people like Dr. Das, people who've been able, and there's there's a, a million names I'm not mentioning, but people who've been able to advocate successfully, build mm-hmm. coalitions, exert influence, mm-hmm. and be essentially a charismatic and a force that students are like, oh, did you take that personal finance class, right? Yes. That looks yes, really good. Exactly. And then you get more numbers and then that helps your, your enrollments and, and yeah. you become very well subscribed. You start offering more sections. There are, there are programs at under-resourced schools mm-hmm. that are led by folks with passion and, and, and love and, and motivation, but maybe don't have that skill set. Yeah. Maybe just aren't the ones who come into a room and are able to exert influence. And those are the ones, because again, want to go get your PhD in financial planning, does that necessarily overlap with a skill set in which you want to be nope. a rabble rouser? Right. Probably not. PhD students typically not rabble rousers. So how, how can the industry and FinServe support? Mm-hmm. And 
you know, one of the things that I do is I love sitting down with, with business schools at kind of smaller universities. They say, let me tell you about your internship opportunities. Mm-hmm. If you have a CFP designated program, I said, that's how you guys like kind of rank your success, isn't yeah. it? Right. How many students are you placing in paid internships? How many of those internships are leading to jobs? I said, I could put down every student in your CFP program can get a paid internship this summer Mm -hmm. if they're willing to move. I can Mm -hmm. almost guarantee that. And that's, and then their ears perk up and they say, well, you want to help me do the best for the students. And that's where you really start to see some awesome stuff. happen. So ladies, as we wind down our time together, uh, my final question is, is, Dr. Jolie, will you tell our listeners about the Fincer Foundation? Because this should have been my first question. Oh, and then the second part of that question is how do the two of you work together through the Fincer Foundation? And how can other program directors get involved? So thank you for that opportunity to talk through it. So FinServe is an organization. It really brings together uh, program directors like Dr. Dawes and, and industry representatives and tries to bridge the gap mm-hmm. in the ways we've discussed so it's www.finserve.org. Um, we have lots of opportunities for folks to get involved. We primarily look to support students mm-hmm. um, in CFP programs as they discern their career path. Um, but I'm very excited that in 2023, we're launching some new initiatives to support program directors awesome. who are who are maybe in situations where they're, they're just yeah. building. Yeah. How can we rally the community of existing program directors around them? How can we partner with the CFP board? And how can we financially support those program directors um, to attend the conferences they need to attend to make sure they're meeting with the people they need to meet with? Um, so, yep, you can check out our website. You can find me on Twitter um, or on LinkedIn. Very happy to have any conversations. If I may... Mm-hmm. Do my ask you? Of course. <laughs> please, please involve the advisement office yeah. in that because That's a really good point. That, that needs to happen. Career services, advisement office needs to. And then when you talk about there are internships, summer internships for everyone. As This is probably not a question for FinServe, but more so for the community in general as to make sure your Applicate your um, job, uh, the one descriptions about what the requirements for the internship are right. Yeah. Somehow you do not end up being not correct in every sense. Because again, I teach at an HBCU mm-hmm. and I realize why many of my students, it was recently, actually, it's a learning curve for me, even now. I'm like, what's wrong with you all? Why are you not applying for the internships? And then I realized why they are not applying for the internships. So, and I offer myself, like, if any one of you need help for why they are not applying, how we can tweak the requirements so that it is welcoming to every race, gender, and ethnicity, I'm more than happy to do that for you. And that's really where I think, you know, we have so many insights from the program directors into the students. The mm-hmm. students are changing. Yeah. Demographically, they're changing racially, ethnic, gender. And, you know, one of the things I'm deeply passionate about is socioeconomic diversity. Mm-hmm. This industry is historically biased in favor of folks who come from affluent backgrounds. And we need to change that from urban affluent backgrounds. Yeah. And But we need the insights of Dr. Dawes to help companies do what they want to do. Right, which is get the right students in the door to build successful careers working for their firms and, and serving clients. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you both for joining me today, making some time super early here at FPA Annual Conference, our very first thing to kick off a wonderful day. 
And thank you all for tuning into this week's episode of the Framework Podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe so you never miss another episode. 